It's finally here. Welcome to the first week of the regular season. Opening day is on Thursday. We have our preview episodes. Really, we previewed every division. We've done so much offseason stuff. And now it's time to actually say, does this team exceed or fall behind their projected win total? Who wins the Cy Young? We're going to answer these questions in the days leading up to opening day. You've got all three of us. Plan is to have all three of us every day this week leading up to opening day and the plan is al win totals today will go over or under each team nl win totals tomorrow and then our individual awards so our favorite and our long shot to win alnl mvp cy young rookie of the year those types of things and then we've got our opening day preview peter aram joining me jack on monday march 27th it's fun that baseball's back and like we've been watching it we've seen really good baseball in the world baseball classic but it's gonna be really nice to see dylan cease and framber valdez toe the rubber in a game that you know truly truly matters and it doesn't matter what the what the wbc deniers think about that jacob de versus aaron nola framber valdez versus dylan cease sandy alcantara versus max scherzer there are so many good games garrett cole versus logan webb Opening day should be a holiday, right, Arm? Oh, 100%. Uh, it, it basically was for me growing up. My dad used to pull me out of school early, um, and and that was, like, the only time I was able to, like, skip school and my parents wouldn't care about it. So it, it always has been a holiday for me. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm actually going with my mom to see Sandy versus Scherzer, so I'm pumped for that. Uh, it should be a good time. And uh, after covering the games in Lone Depot, like from the from the press box, it's going to be cool to just kind of go as a fan and take it all in with my mom. So uh, I'm pumped up for that. And I, it feels like Christmas morning every single year. That's the one one day of the year where I really do feel like a kid again. We do a lot of stuff during the off season too, right? Like it, it's a lot of talking about what just happened in 22 and then like getting ready for 23. And that gets old around right now, which is yeah. really nice because we're going to have ball to talk about that we watch in, in three days. And we also previous episodes, we've gone uh, over every division preview. Uh, so if you're looking for more of an in-depth analysis on each individual roster of course we're going to kind of go team by team and do more of a shorter because we spend a full hour maybe sometimes an hour 20 on each division so if you want more analysis on each individual team go check out those prior episodes but guys off the top i have a non-baseball thing to get us started if we are interested dish it let's go okay have you guys ever heard of roco's basilisk no 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 (laughs) Basically, if you use AI, I think you should start saying thank you to it. Let me explain. So this is one of the most talked about theories in AI. Uh, It's from Stanford. And so the premise of Rocco's Basilisk is that artificial intelligence will soon surpass human intelligence at some point. And it's likely that artificial intelligence will try to create a utopia 
like a utopia world here on Earth, basically the best version of Earth possible. But if it's smarter than humans and sees what we're doing to the world, it's expected that AI will want to take over as our leader because it's they see that we don't have a plan and we've taken no action to make Earth a utopia. We all with me so far? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. Sort of. Yeah. Okay. Due to it bringing forth a utopia, or at least it's going to try, it's going to see itself as the savior for the world. Makes sense, right? If it's smarter than humans, it's going to be our savior if it brings a utopia, and that's what that it's trying to do. Sounds like it got an ego pump. That That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Exactly. So through these AI classes at Stanford, that the way it'll decide which humans are for the utopia and who are against are the ones helping AI becoming smarter and smarter. Because it sees the people that are helping build a utopia as they want it to be a part of the utopia. And humans that are actively trying to hurt AI will not be a part of this world. Still with me? Yes. So let me try and reword. Everybody that was not even an AI denier, but like everybody not on chat GPT right now will be murked by AI because they didn't help. Basically, but there's also people on chat GBT that maybe are trying to hurt it or people within the AI community who don't want it to continue because they see what it can bring, that it could eventually hurt mankind. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this might I'll be take my chances. Okay, so let's continue here. So AI doesn't feel the way we do. If Well, it kind of does, because if humans are building a road, like let's say we're building a road together and there's an anthill in the way, we aren't thinking about saving the ants because our intelligence is so much higher than an ants is. I have so we're just going to yeah. we're just going to build the road on top of the ants. It's not like we're here to destroy ants. We're just here to build a road and they're in the way, therefore destroying the ants. So in another way of putting it, if AI does believe that the the way to a utopia is by exterminating the humans that are in the way, they're going to exterminate the humans that are in the way. So the robots are going to kill stupid people because they're stupid. Exactly. Like there isn't the the reason AI wants to do it is because they think a better world is on the horizon if they are the savior and humans aren't to their level of brain. Like they don't have the same type of knowledge. Yeah, you've been going yeah. down the AI rabbit hole recently, haven't you? Yeah, what time oh, did you? It's like the third time, time you've dived into this. Absolutely. So, as we've known, so many tech leaders are super positive about AI, right? We've seen Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, everyone. Well, that's because Elon doesn't want to get it. murdered. It sounds like exactly. So you could say, well, why don't we just stop building AI AI altogether? And that's the point of Roko's Basilisk. It's already been built, so people in the tech industry are afraid not to help because they could be the ones that are exterminated. So the people who want to be a part of this utopia are helping build it. And you don't want to be the person who tries to destroy it because it's already being built. And the higher it gets in intelligence. It kind of sounds like if you don't go to church, you go to hell kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. very similar. Isn't On it scary nose. as shit? And this is being talked about at Stanford. This isn't some wacko conspiracy theory that we're talking about. This is being taught in Stanford. Jack, your hand is raised. It's like a way to control people. 
Yeah. So let me just say, if if I am expelled from the earth by a robot because I didn't help the robot in its nascent stages, that's fine. Tip I'm of the totally cap. okay with that. That that's like that's like the high spin heater. I located it upper right corner, and he gets on top cap. of it, and it hits it the other way. Like <laughs> you, tip you my tip fucking cap, cap, and you go to the grave, and you say, you know what? I did all I could do. And sometimes the the better athlete's just going to beat you. The better robot is just going to beat the human. Yep. Uh, leave me, mark me as exposed to Rocco's basilisk. That's, yes. That's fine. That could be the Same. first one they take down. So to all the listeners, if you are opposed to being destroyed by artificial intelligence, I would start saying thank you to your chat GBT. Start praising it because you so, could be a part of the next generation. It's scary as shit. And I have no idea if it's going to happen. But it is the theory being talked about at stake. Uh, you're not sure if it's going to happen yet. No, I'm not totally <laughs> okay. positive. All right, it good. sounds like it sounds like we're trying to think of something between a utopia and the apocalypse. And and here's my take spinning off of that, and then we'll get to win totals because that was pretty far out for me. Um, <laughs> if we hit an apocalypse, I want to be out right away. Like I'm not going to be one of those people that's like fighting to stay alive and watch everybody around me crumble. Like. I want to be one of the first ones gone because that's scary as shit. I don't need to deal with that. Yeah, this was inspired by I'm watching The Last of Us just finish the final episode. So okay. I was getting into kind of a rabbit hole last night when I was uh, riding up all my bets for next season and uh, I found that and scared me. And I wanted to bring it to you guys to see if you're equally as scared and maybe our listeners are now terrified and <laughs> maybe they turned off the episode or they're building a bunker as we speak. Uh, well, good news is you can build a bunker while you listen to this podcast and we'll talk about baseball stuff now. Um, Perfect. also shrinking season one, I do believe just ended. I've got two more episodes left. Great show. Uh, if you're not watching the last of us shrinking on Apple TV plus win totals, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, AL East. We're going to go Yankees, Jays, Rays, Orioles, Red Sox, all these odds courtesy of bet MGM. We're betting with the king of sports books. Let's start with the Yankees. 94 and a half is the win total set by BetMGM. We're all going to go around quick over or under and why. And you can launch into like a 60 second thing if you feel strong. But, you know, if you don't feel necessarily like, you know, adamant about one side, you know, keep it to a, a thought or two. So Yankees over or under 94 and a half wins and why are them? Man. Uh, I love how we're starting with I think one of the toughest. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under. I still think they win 94, 93, 94. I just think it's such a high number that I'll play it safe on the under. I don't think Aaron Judge matches 62, you know, or like whatever. I don't think Aaron Judge goes nuts like that again. I think he has a really good year. And I think the injuries are a little bit concerning uh, with the way the rotation is kind of being pieced together. I think the Yankees are the team to beat. Don't get me wrong, but I just think 96 is a really high number. And and I, I think it might be hard for them to get there. I still think they're going to be the best team in the division. I, I also go under 94 and a half. And the reason I do is because – yeah, the re the reason I go under 94 and a half is because of the starting pitching health, really. Like, I don't know when Carlos Rodon is going to be back, but a, a sputtering April is brutal for 94 and a half. Like, that is such a high number. Aram said it perfectly that I'm worried that a month without Rodon and Severino is really going to hurt that total. So if they limp out of the gates and then catch fire on June 1, might be too little too late to reach that number. So that's why I go under. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, I would lean towards the under two. It's not something I'd bet on. Um, no. I am nervous about these injuries that have already started. It's one thing 
to look at a Harrison Bader and say, yeah, he could probably get injured because the best way to predict injury, and I've said this a million times, is pass injury. And Bader has dealt with injuries, but he's already started. He already is down with an oblique injury, won't be ready for opening day. Carlos Rodon has been a guy who has been out for large stretches of the season, and he's already dealing with a forearm strain. Luis Severino, same thing. You look at the bullpen, Lou Trevino, Tommy Canely, both injured. It's not the Yankee team that you might normally see on paper in January. This will look like a different opening team opening day. And there's a lot of excitement surrounding guys like Anthony Volpe, right? But at the same time, if you are going to start an Oswald Peraza or an Anthony Volpe opening day, there's a there's a learning curve, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that they're just going to hit the ground running. So I think the Yankees are a playoff team. I think they win 90 plus. But yeah. if I had to bet on 94 and a half, I'm not taking the over, considering the Yankees are always a team overpriced in the market. It's always going to be like that. They have yeah. the second best odds to win the World Series. They're not the second best team in Major League Baseball. With you. And they shouldn't be priced at 94 and a half. I would go yeah. the under. With you. All right. So clean sweep of the under on the first team that we go over. Now Toronto at 91 and a half. I'll get mine out of the way. I'm going over. Um, I, I know, Aram, you said that you still think the Yankees win the division. I think Toronto wins this division. Um, I, I think that while Manoa may look like he may be due for a regression, I'll believe it when I see it. I think Alec Manoa is one of the better young pitchers in baseball. I think Gosman's awesome. Barrios can't be shittier. Um, and, and I like Bassett in replacement of Stripling. I don't think he's going to be as good as Stripling, but this freaking offense, man. I mean, what were we saying about this lineup last year? Like, oh, they're going to win games 10-9 consistently. And now they have Dalton Varsho in the fold. Like, their their flaw was they were so right-handed. All of a sudden, they had Varsho and they had Belt. And I know Kiermaier is going to be the nine-hitter and kind of, you know, a liability some nights. But they had Kiermaier as well. So I think this is an elite defensive outfield, an elite offensive team. Um, and they have, you know, a, a pretty consistent rotation to what they had last year arm yeah yeah i i i'm with you there i think you you hit the nail on that the only thing that makes me nervous is the rotation um i think barrios could technically be worse he could be the worst pitcher in major league baseball uh with, like with the, the third worst yeah so that's my one concern my other concern is that they don't have really a ton of prospect capital so like this is a team that's aggressive right they made their big trade if they need another pitcher how are they going to do it? How are they going to get another pitcher? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how they can go out and make a deal. Like maybe they call up Tiedemann. They're not going to move him. Maybe that's a guy that can come in and help. But you know, a lot of these other teams, look at the Yankees, look at the Orioles, look at some of the other teams we're going to get to. Like they're going to make moves at some point in the season to upgrade their team. I don't know if the Orioles will because they're weird, but they can. The Yankees will. They always do. Uh, but that said, they won 92 last year. I like this team better this year. Uh, and I, I think the bullpen is is – sneaky decent and better than it was last year i'm gonna go over yeah i have a slight lean towards the over um at 91 and a half i agree with arm and jack that this team is slightly better i don't know how much better uh, they line. truly are um i think it's a great line i think it's one of the better lines because i have them winning again 92 games the back half of the rotation certainly does scare me while Chris Bassett is probably a better pitcher overall than Ross Stripling, does he replicate a 304 ERA in 130 innings? I don't see really Jose Brios improving much. And then in the back half, it just 
looks even weaker. I mean, you have Yusei Kikuchi looking good in spring, but I need to see him pitch well in the regular season to fully buy back in again. Um, you have Manoa, who's most likely going to regress. Every peripheral says that he's not the 2-2-4 guy that he showed last year. Maybe he's a 2-9 guy, but that's still regressing um, to a point where he ends up being worse than he was in 2022. What if, what if he's the ace version of Cal Quantrill? He could be, no doubt about it. And But I just don't know if it's a 2-2. That's my only thing. But he could be. And that's why Manoa is a guy who I'm getting told we should fade his ERA numbers. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I know the peripherals are telling you to, but he's just too much of a dog on the mound. I don't think he's going to regress to a 3-4 like the line says he should be. Um, I love their defense, especially it helps too with the banning of the shift. But this is a, I think this is a 92-win team. That's basically all I got. Yeah. So clean sweep on the over again. Yep. Damn Damn it. it. Look at us. Look at us. We got to stop we'll, smelling each other's farts. That was my favorite uh, yeah. podcast. Oh, that's one of the funniest reviews we've gotten. We and got one of the podcast only... review. It was what? It, this show is 90% them smelling each other's farts. That was the uh-huh. podcast review. No, yeah. 50% us smelling each other's farts, 50% reading off a Excel sheet. And guess what? They still gave us four stars. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. That's just crazy. If you're going to say something like that, give us one star. Be a man. <laughs> yeah. No, please. But don't. Don't give yeah, us a please, one star. Please. That'll really hurt my ego. Yeah. Just just DM us. DMing hurts. Yeah. Just rip me less. personally. I just Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and I promise we won't screenshot. All right. Uh, Tampa, 88 and a half. I fly over here. I think they have the most underrated pitching staff in the game. I love what they do. Even without glass now, man. I like McClanahan, I think, is... I think he gets back to that mid twos that he has. Like, I genuinely think this guy is a perennial Cy Young candidate moving forward. I love Drew Rasmussen. I am drunk on the Drew Rasmussen Kool-Aid. I am drunk on the Jeffrey Springs Kool-Aid, actually. I think that's a three ERA guy. Uh, And and then I think that they have enough depth there. And I think the Taj Bradley's not far off. And anything you get from Glass now is bonus. Um, A healthy Wander, a healthy Lau feels good to me. I'm a little bit worried about, you know, the back four in that lineup, just like every single raise year, but every single raise year, they surpass everybody's expectations. So the fact that I feel this good about the starting rotation makes me fly over that number 88 and a half. Yeah. I want to really hear from arm about the depth of the raise. I'll just go quickly. I'm going over as well. Um, I think this team wins the division. Um, I gave them out plus 350 to win the American league East. They won 86 games last year and everything fell apart. Everyone was, you know, banged up. It looked like a shell of a raised team and they still find a way to win games. If they stay moderately healthy, I think they're the deepest, best roster in this division. I'm going over and I like them to win the division. Uh, I'm, it's so funny that you teed me up for the depth, man, because that was the number one thing I was going to hit on. I was literally just on the backfields over in, in West Palm Beach or Palm Beach well, going between the Nationals backfields and the Astros backfields. And there happened to be a race scout there. And I was asking him, like, hey, man, like, when are we going to see Curtis Mead? This is a consensus top 30 prospect guy. Absolutely matches. He goes, Mead is awesome. But do you understand how many guys we have right now? Like, do you understand how many guys are in the way? And it has nothing to do with Mead. He's just he's not a 40-man guy. Why rush the issue and, and you know, strangle yourself even more in terms of the 40-man crunch, with the, which the Rays are perpetually in? And we kind of did a thought exercise together, which is so funny that we're recording this now of like going through every name and and to speak to it. Like, I love Jonathan Aranda. 
I think that's one of the safer prospect bats. I think he's technically graduated now that you're going to find. We just saw Isak Paredes rake in the WBC. I think he's more of a, you know, like a, a platoon bat, but he's showing that he could be maybe more than that. And he's I only love, 24 years old. He's Isak only 24. Paredes. I love Josh Lowe. I'm still in on Josh Lowe. They are so deep on top of me knocking on the door, on top of all the options that they have that were hurt last year. If they get banged up, they've got more guys that they can plug in than they've ever had. Another guy, Luke Rayleigh, has been hitting the shit out of the ball this spring out of absolutely nowhere. So that's a 28-year-old that will get run for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, are you guys starting to to sip the Siri Kool-Aid as well? Like, do you see what I kind of see in Siri? Yeah, yes. I, I just see a relatively high floor for him because he's such an all-world defender and center. And I think he's like, dude, he's going to swing it better. I, I know he's been focused on on the approach and focused on something. Like even if he strikes out slightly less, walks slightly more, and hits, and makes as much contact as he made last year, he's a three win player almost. So I, I'm in on Siri. But the thing is, is Josh Lowe can also plug in if Siri isn't performing that well, or if Manny Margot isn't performing that well. Like th this team has so many options. And then I I love some of their other prospects that could come up like a Slevis Basabe. Uh, and they also have a million relief prospects who are gross. So uh, this team has a million their options. bullpen is already elite. Like the yes, bullpen is right. already elite. And we act like Tyler Glass now because he's hurt right now is out for the year, but he's not. He's going to be back too. And when he's back in the rotation, like Jeffrey Springs is like your sixth starter. Or yeah. something like that, or fifth, or just way back there. And he could be a great three in this league. They're so good. Another They're, guy that looked decent in spurts, um, in starts, I think he's a bullpen guy now, is Patino. Like, Patino finally healthy. We know how electric the fastball can be. I don't think yeah. he's a starting pitcher, but I think the Rays are going to groom him to be an excellent setup guy. What we yep. know about the Rays is they'll figure him out and put him in the yep. best spot possible to, su to succeed. That's why the Rays are so good. Yes. Yeah. I'm so did over. we all go over? Damn it. Yep. Well, well, right. well, it'll be different as we get to other divisions. Yes. I, 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 I'm not worried about it. I think so. All right. Baltimore, 77 and a half is their projected total. I've got one. I, I think we may start to differ here because I know that you guys like Baltimore. I'm going to go under this number. The pitching is egregiously bad. Yeah. If you don't factor G-Rod in, even if you do factor G-Rod in, I'm not confident 80% of the games that they take the field for based on that starting rotation. They're at a disadvantage, basically 80% of the games they take the field for. Yes. For the most like part. they, I, I'm not sure what the lines will say. Like obviously against Oakland, they're going to be favored every game, but um, I, I think any game that G-Rod doesn't start for the Baltimore Orioles this year, you can look at them as a realistic underdog. So mm -hmm. that is why uh, I go under. I go over pretty confidently. Um, I think Adley is a game changer. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of the pitchers took a liking to him behind the plate. And I think the Orioles are also benefactors of the rule changes. Um, with the shift being banned, defense is going to be, you know, it's going to be a premium. And the Orioles have a pretty good defensive team, um, especially in the outfield and in the infield. And of course, you might have maybe the best defensive catcher. Um, in the American League and Adley Rutschman. And we talk about the pitching staff, and it is bad. And that's why the line is this low. And that's why I can't bet on the Orioles over, because I don't believe in the pitching. But there are creases in there that I could see doing pretty well. Kyle Bradish really came on last year after he developed that breaking ball and looked a lot better. Dean Kramer is one of those guys who put up a 3-2-3 ERA, but like a 4-8 FIP or something like that. I don't know what he's going to be, but I don't think he's the 4-8 guy. You have Grayson in there, and you have Gibson and Cole Irvin, who are at least 
not options that are just going to ruin your team. So I look at a rotation like that and I say, yes, they're not very good. I'm not very confident in it. But when you combine a solid bullpen with a good offense and good defense, that's enough to be an 80-win team. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to compete for the playoffs this year. But I think that line is just too low. You talk about Adley being a game changer. The Orioles were 49-33 and 33 when he caught after he debuted. They were 66-53 and 53 after he debuted, period. I think I, I really I think the team got hot around that time, but I think he was a big part of that team getting hot. I think he's not only one of the best catchers in baseball, arguably the best. We'll see how he compares with Rio Muto next year, but one of the more well-rounded players in baseball. All the points that Peter said, it, it's it's about how they can piece together the pitching, right? And, and I think a lot of that lies on the shoulders of Grayson Rodriguez, which is nerve-wracking. Uh, but I, I feel like they're going to find a way to piece it together. John Means should come back. At some point this season, which helps the bullpen is fantastic or at least really good to be able to shorten these starts. And they have so much prospect capital. If this team is sniffing the wild card, they're going to trade for a pitcher. I think they wanted to wait for the right time to do it. Didn't like what the market looked like. Maybe I still think it's a head scratcher. But at the end of the day, they have to have plans to do so at some point. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I think the win total is too low. Yeah, that was a really good point by Aram talking about the deadline acquisitions. I think the Orioles will be aggressive at the deadline. They're not one of these teams that, you know, even because I just don't expect the Orioles to get off to a really bad start and then sell because their window is starting to open, especially when you have a full season of Gunnar Henderson and a full season of Adley Rutschman. I only think that this team is going to be buyers, which will then help their win total at the end of the year. I just think this is too low. I think they finish in fourth place. Okay. Um, so you guys both have over, I have under. The Red Sox, 78 and a half. I've got under here. Um, I do think that, you know, these teams, the Orioles and the Red Sox, are both in the mid-70s. I do think that the Orioles finish fourth in the AL East. The Red Sox, obviously, they have the the front-end star power, right? They have Rafi Devers. Uh, we saw how good Yoshida was in the WBC. I have no idea what he will be in Major League Baseball, but you know, if the WBC was any uh, any foreshadowing into what he could be doing this year, I mean, we could be looking at a guy that hits 280 to 290 at the major league level. So, you know, we'll see what they get from the offense. My worry is when you get to the five spot and down, is it going to be lethargic on an every night basis? And then when they run out Josh Winkowski first time through, like, how's that going to work? I'm worried about the bullpen a little bit too. Like how does Kenley Jansen age, that type of thing. Uh, and how is Chris sale after a billion years off? So there are way too many question marks for me on the bottom of this roster uh, for me to say over. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same department here. I, I I've talked about the Red Sox all off season. I, I don't really get what they're doing. I, I I do think that they found a way to keep the offense at least, you know, pretty, pretty decent. I think it'll, especially at the top half, like, like Jack said, but you know, a lot of trust being placed into a center field, Adam Duvall, a lot of trust being placed into Reese McGuire, Christian Arroyo, Kike Hernandez. So I, I think Kike could be all right, but it's not like this team is incredibly deep either. So on the pitching side, I think that's a disaster too. And I'm not the biggest Kenley guy this year. I like the Chris Martin pickup. So I'm going to go under, I think this might be one of the worst Red Sox teams we've seen in some years. And I do think this is the year that Heim Bloom goes on the hot seat here because it's been clear that even the small moves have not been smart. I mean, even talking to people around the game too, like nobody understands scouts included understands the Thad Ward, uh, you know, 
siding with David Hamilton for Thad Ward. Thad Ward could probably be their fourth. Said they get David Hamilton, who you know stole seventy bases, and that's it. Um, I think that's kind of a microcosm of all the the decisions that they've made, which are kind of poor and setting themselves up for, I think, a long, long year, which doesn't happen a lot in Boston. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm wrestling with this one because I do see a path to a team that's over five hundred. If Chris Sale turns in an excellent season, if Brian Bayo shows us what we think he can be, which is a you know, maybe a top end three, but he has the stuff to really great. be excellent. Yeah, I think he I think is too. Great. Garrett Whitlock comes back and, you know, performs at a solid level because we've seen that before. And then you have guys like Kluber and Paxton and Winkowski and Cutter Crawford. Like they do have some decent depth. But the reason that I'm going with the under is that I think there's a much clearer path to for lack of a better word, some destruction here. I don't think they're a team that will benefit from the rule changes. You spoke about Kenley Jansen, one of the slowest pitchers. He's going to have to figure something out in his mid to late 30s, and that doesn't often happen. I will tell you this. When a pitcher is struggling, the pitch clock is their worst nightmare. And if Kenley Jansen can't find the strike zone, a guy that needs to take 30 seconds between pitches, that guy is going to throw five or six balls in a row, and I think you're going to see that in the first week of the season. And defense is going to be incredibly important with no shift. And when you look at Kike Hernandez now moving over to shortstop, you move his glove out of center field. It's a smaller ballpark, so it'll be at least somewhat easier. But they play half their games on the road, and they were a really bad road team last season. I just think there's, you know, they're an older team. They're not going to make much um, on the base pass, the, you know, they don't have like a ton of lefty guys that are expected to break out due to the banning of the shift. They just don't seem to have that firepower. And they lost Xander Bogarts. Like yeah. this team lost hurt. Xander Bogarts and Trevor Story is will be out until July. I see a lot of veterans on this team that could end up being moved at the deadline too, right? If the Red Sox are far below 500 or even kind of middling around and four teams above them are doing much better. They could end up selling and then that could end up lowering the win total. So I think it's a much safer bet to go under, but at the same time, I do see a path to them going under. That's why I would never make a play on this team, but for this exercise, I'm going under real quick. uh, You mentioned Bayo being exciting Bayo dealing with forearm tightness, but already started throwing on the backfields. So he won't be ready for opening day, but he should be ready two weeks into the season, maybe two turns through the rotation. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully you can stay healthy. He's, he's a special, he's special talent. All right. So clean sweep on the unders for Boston AL central. Let's start with the Cleveland guardians, 86 and a half, their projected win total by bet MGM. That's an excellent number. Excellent. Where I do we totally, lie? I totally disagree. I think it's so disrespectful. This team won 92 games last year. And I think they're better. Um, They're also a team that I think, greatly benefits from the new rules we're talking about banning the shift which places more of an importance on defense they're maybe the second best defensive team in major league baseball to the cardinals they have great starting pitching they have a phenomenal bullpen and adding josh bell gives them that more of a thump in the lineup that they needed terry francona could drag us three and the staff of just baseball i think to an 82 win season i love this team i bet on them to win the division and i put you know, I put two units on their overwind total, which is one of my largest future bets. I love this team. I think they run away with the division. Run away. Mm-hmm. Run away. 
I think they're a 92 to 94 win team and nobody else scrapes the lower, you know, mid eighties. I think they run away with it. Folks, that's a take. All right. Aram, what do you think? You know, I, I do have some concerns about the rotation uh, on the surface. You know, Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie are awesome. You know, I think Quantrill showed to be like a steady middle rotation guy, but that's a guy that, you know, could regress. And I don't think any of us would be shocked, even though he was very good last year. I hate Savali and Plesak in the back end of the rotation. And Shane Bieber, like, is he going to stay healthy? Like, if if Shane Bieber goes down, this rotation becomes even more worrisome. But the bullpen is fantastic. And they've got a lot of guys that are knocking on the door in, in the minor leagues. Even if you have to plug an Xavier Curry in there or some of these other guys, like, those are options. I even don't hate Connor Pilkington, but yeah. I mean, they've got Tanner Bybee who could potentially get forced up at the end of the year or even earlier if they need him. Logan Allen, I still really like Gavin. Williams. I think they can find a way, find a way to piece together the rotation and the offense is better. The offense is point blank better. You add Josh Bell and you get guys like Oscar Gonzalez for a full season, getting more experience, getting better. Same with Stephen Kwan. He's only going to be better. And J Ram was like below J Ram level last year. So I'm going over. Okay, so it's a clean sweep in the over, but I I don't necessarily think they fly over. Um, I say barely. I think this is a high 80s win team, and I think that that yeah. is enough to win this division. Cool. Um, the White Sox, 82 and a half. This is tough. <laughs> Francis Romero, I think his name is, at, at MLB, he just tweeted that Oscar Colas was notified that he made the opening day roster. Let's go. So, That's huge for them. Yeah, huge for them. And Colas may be, what, the opening day right fielder, right? If Colas made the roster, why would you start Gavin Sheets over Colas? So I I think it's going to be Colas and Wright and Eloy DHing, which is excellent. Uh, I think that the offense got better. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the pitching staff is interesting. No Liam Hendricks really hurts. Ah, That's a tough one. All right, come back to me. 82 and a half. I'll jump in. I, I don't like the bullpen with, with no Hendricks. The rotation, I think, is is a disaster waiting to happen. Um, and the lineup is just extremely volatile, right? You got often injured and or inconsistent. Um, you know, and I can go through each of the guys, and then you have rookie and Oscar Colos and old dude and Elvis Andrews. I'm going to go under. I I think this is the year where like White Sox fans actually collectively lose their minds and say, blow it the hell up. And I think they blow it up. I hope I'm wrong because I like baseball, you know, on the South side of Chicago. And I hope they're, I hope they're good. Um, I think some individuals will have nice years, but I, I I'm going under on, on, there's just too much volatility, too many questions. Yeah, this is this is where betting and predictions, you know, take a turn because the White Sox are kind of similar to the Red Sox, right? You can see the path to 85 wins with the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I can see the path to 90. Exactly. Like you look at Dylan Cease and maybe he wins the Cy Young. You can see Kopech battling back. You can see Giolito bouncing back and then them piecing together the rest of the rotation. Maybe they make a big move for a reliever at the deadline or before. Luis Roberts stays healthy. Aloy Jimenez stays healthy. Yuan Mankata bounces back. This team could be electric. But there's more signs pointing to towards the under. You know, they're not very good defensively. They're not demons on the base pass. I like the Andrew Benatendi move. But again, he's coming off, you know, a wrist injury. I, I would say the under for this exercise. And that's probably the safer bet. But the problem with actually betting on this team is that 
it has maybe the most variance of any team yeah, in major league baseball. It. I wouldn't not touch, touch it, it with a bat. Not touching not it with a bat, but for for, for this exercise, we'll yeah, go no. on. I'm play the percentages there. Yeah. Okay, let's play a game. Lucas Giolito, better or worse than last year? I think same. better. You think same, Arm? Yeah, same. I'd say same. I'm I'm very low on Giolito. Lance Lynn, better or worse than last year? Better. I'd say better. Okay, so Peter, if you're like confidently saying better on both those guys, I'm going to go over. Uh, cool. I, I have all the faith in Cease in the world. I think that Kopech figures his shit out in the rotation. Um, you're shaking your head. Why? I, I just, I don't have a lot of faith in Kopech. I don't, I hope, I hope so. He's, he's an electric arm, but where does your lack of faith in Kopech stem from? Look at the numbers, man. I, like I, he's great when he's 100. He's great when he's 98. He's yeah. not as great when he's 94, 95. And so he's 94, 95. He was 94, 95 last year. And he was a mid threes in 120 innings. I I'll, I'll take that as a four. Like my thing is I need Lance Lynn and Giolito to be a two and three behind four, C- five, FIP, four, five, FIP, three, nine, four X ERA and 7.9 Ks per nine, 4.3 walks per nine. But I just, we can't debate the stuff. Like the stuff is there. I totally agree with arm though. Like, but it I'm, wasn't last year. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't last year. That's a good point. Uh, it's He's a tough, he's a really tough pitcher. And also, I'm um I'm relatively lower on the central teams compared to the east like we heard a lot of overs in the east and in the schedule changes right these guys are going to be playing different teams you're not going to have to face your division the white Sox don't get to play the royals and the tigers you know every other week like they've been used to there's going to be a lot of tougher matchups for the white Sox. there's just more factors that lead to the under but jack at the same time like I'm kind of with you dude like, I understand there is a path here. There are guys who could bounce back. Lynn looked great in the World Baseball Classic, and he was dreadful last year. I, I just, think there's, there's a part of me that just, like, thinks no way Kopech is that bad. Like, so my thought, good. My, my thought was last year was a total blow-up-in-your-face disaster yeah. for the White Sox. They won 81 games. That's what I'm saying. And too. if their total's at 82-and-a-half right now, and, like, yeah. I'm Remember, saying they hold the he, franchise after an 81-win season, I feel like they could get to 83. Remember, you, you subtracted your best position player last year, though. Yeah, the guy that had a four F four that hit three oh four with a one thirty seven WRC plus. Jose Abreu, yeah. and now eliminated off the roster. Um, you know it, that that matters, right? It so, does. I, and and even like a Reese McGuire, like Reese McGuire for fucking fifty three games was better than what you got from the catching position. Otherwise. You subtract Johnny Cueto, who was a 3-3 ERA guy for Good like point. there's some guys that like on the surface you forgot about when you look at roster resource, but like those guys were part of the reason why they were even able to stay afloat. So if things go awry, even a Josh Harrison plugged in and was competent, like yeah. Elvis I, Andrews. I, oh no, he's back, right? He's back. He's back. He's back. He's back. That's huge. That may that is I huge. might go over now. Well, and no Larry <laughs> Garcia likely on the roster is huge for White Sox fans. No Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets playing in the corners on outfield defense, which improved. no, that does help. That That's does my help. thing. I'm banking on an on an improvement from Vaughn. Like I think Fair. this is the year that Vaughn jumps. No, here's I, how to I, summarize. I hear you. Here's how to summarize the White Sox. This team is fucking impossible. We have yeah, no they're idea. Impossible. They, they're they impossible. They can win 90 games or win 70 games. Correct. They have. They're like the Red Sox. Like you could see a complete path to being very competitive, and at the same time, you could see a dumpster fire of a team. Yeah. I think they got more upside than the Red Sox. Too. I think so too. But I also weirdly, do they have more downside? Yes, I think so. 
maybe just because like maybe. everyone on this team has like died yeah, at some point. Exactly. Like, like the Red Sox don't have these crazy injury problems. Like it's not like Rafael Devers versus like Luis Robert, who's the best offensive player. I'm way more confident in Rafael Devers. Correct. And like Cease, he gave us one season. I fully expect him to do it again, but there's always the chance that he regresses. Like we don't know. So it's a tough team. It's a fun team though. Yeah. So I guess this is like where the, I don't know, trace amount of like fandom I have left comes out where I just want to root for over 82 and a half. So I think I'm going to go there. All right. Minnesota, 84 and a half. Uh, If the White Sox are 83, I also see Minnesota at 83. I'm going to go just barely under on Minnesota. Um, I'm a little worried about how often that lineup's going to strike out. Like, I, I think it's going to be a demoralizing Tuesday night sometimes. That That's my reasoning there. I'm also, I have confidence in like a Pablo Lopez. I've got confidence in some of the guys in that rotation, but I could also see them, you know, winning five straight games. I could also see them losing five straight games if those guys are not there. Like such is life of a three. So that's where I say under, but like, just barely i'm not going to make a sweeping claim about the twins where i think they're going to win the world series and then they're in last place um i think this is going to be the even watermark of average major league baseball teams in 2023 short story about me betting on the minnesota twins um when the lines came out unfortunately they weren't available on our friends bet mgm but they were available on another sports book and i tried to put some money down on the twins over 77 and a half wins and That's they limited love. me. They limited me. This was before Carlos Correa signed. Then Carlos Correa signs. Now they're up to 82 and a half to 84 and a half, depending on which book you look at. And now we're mostly seeing 83 and a half or 84 and a half in the market. I would lean under right now because I think without Carlos Correa, they were like a 80 win team with Carlos Correa. I'm putting them around 83, 84. So now the line makes total sense. So I would have a slight lean towards the under. I think this team finishes above 500. I think they got the line pretty perfectly. I think they finish in second place in this division, but I would lean slightly under because now it's just been so inflated from the signing of Carlos Correa that, I'll lean under, but I do like this rotation, guys. I think it's a very good rotation. I like them on offense. Their bullpen is a little bit troubling. They have two absolute studs at the top. Griffin Jacks I do like, but then it drops off a little bit. But overall, I think this team is better than the White Sox. And I'm kind of almost talking myself into an over here. I just think it's gotten a little bit too much to go over. But I think 84 wins is in their future. So are you taking the under? I'm taking the under at 84 and a half, but if it was like 80, 81 and a half, I'd be on the over. Like, honestly, I think that's it, where they are. Honestly, if these lines were flipped, if the White Sox were 84 and Minnesota was 82, I'm taking the under on the White Sox and the over on Minnesota. Like I, I just close fair. my eyes and see two 83 win teams. I think that's might be likely. I, I don't know. I, I get it. I get it. I'm going to go with the over here. Um, I, I like this team, man. I, I do. I is one of those teams that just like, them and we'll get to the Brewers like similar just they just they they got they kind of pull at my heartstrings I they they hedge a lot of questions with a lot of options and you know like is the rotation elite probably not they don't have a clear-cut ace they don't really even even have a clear-cut two but they got like a bunch of threes and a bunch of other options too like Bailey Ober is your sixth starter Sonny Gray is a two like they I agree I think not uh, not statistically speaking (laughs) yeah Maybe like he, he, like his name is a two. Yeah, like his name, his but, name is a one. Yeah, he was at one point. The Yankees gave up a one, yeah, you yeah. know, package. Thanks for there. the reminder. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, all those guys didn't end up panning out anyway, so it was fine. Yeah. But like, you know, the, the bullpen, at least they've got some elite guys in the back. They have some other options. They're like the, the, the outfield position player wise, infield and outfield is so deep that, you know, you have the volatility of a Buxton. You have the volatility of a Gallo. You have some of these guys like they have a million outfielders and they've got Royce Lewis coming back. I love Miranda. I'm really interested to see how Warnick does. Nick Gordon can play all over. They add Michael A. Taylor. Like, th- there's just so many options that they're going to be able to plug and play and ride the hot hand. Uh, I think the rotation is the same story. And they've got some prospects that could come up and make an impact, too. I think Edouard Julien could be up before long. Um, I-, I think this team's going to hang around and be competitive all year long. I think they're going to win 86, 87 games. I love the addition of Pablo Lopez, but losing Luis Arise is tough because now this team is really three true outcome. Like they are very Incredible. home run, you know, strikeout or the walk. That's my issue that they can get into some holes sometimes when guys aren't hitting home runs and go on crazy losing streaks. We saw that last year, but at the same time, I agree with you, Arm. There's so much potential here because I think the rotation is better than it's been in what five, ten years. Like they haven't had pitching like this where you can go Gray, Molly, um, freaking who's it? Pablo Lopez, you Joe can Ryan. Joe Ryan, like you can go down the lines and like you have a chance to win every fifth, every day, like not even every fifth day where it used to be, where it's like you got gray at the top and then like Bailey Ober, like Dylan Bundy, like this is not even close to that same team. I don't think they're going to hit to the level they did last year. And, but if Buxton stays healthy, man, like that's another thing. Like he hit 28 home runs in 92 games. Like that's insane. And if he's, if he plays 110 games, he could hit. 35 jacks he's really leaned into this power stroke then you have gallo like what if he bounces back so many questions but i'm more optimistic about the twins and the white Sox. no doubt about it 100 um all right kansas city 69 and a half zach granke brady singer jordan lyles brad keller ryan yarborough under (laughs) i just i can't I cannot tell myself that this is a 70-win team because you've got Granky Singer, Lyles, Keller, Yarbrough, and then you've got Araldis Chapman that's going to throw meaningful innings and, and Dylan Coleman, who was good last year, but like he's going to be a setup guy, borderline closer with Barlow, and then Amir Garrett is still factoring in here, and there's no depth when it comes to starting pitching. And then you look at what goes on outside of the young fun guys in MJ and Bobby Witt and Vinny. And then you got Sal Perez for sure. But like Hunter Dozier, Kyle Isbell, Edward Olivares, and Nate Eaton are going to be in an opening day lineup. Can't tell me that this is a 70 win team. I go under. I'll tell you it's a 70 win team. I like the over. Um, Think about teams that are in this range that have those level of hitters at the top. I'll wait. Like it's a, it's, it's a short list. Like the Royals are going to hit. They, they run the bases a ton. Like this is a fast team that I think is also going to benefit from the bigger bases, from the pickoff rules. I think Bobby Wood Jr. Takes that next step up and really becomes one of the better shortstops in the American league. We know how much we like Vinny Pascantino. He could end up being an all-star this year. His batted ball data is insane. That's why we're all jumping on him like nerds that we are. Like I, I think Salvador Perez has a better offensive season. I think MJ Melendez takes that step up too. And the rotation. Yes, it's not sexy. It's some of the like most boring names that you could possibly name, but 
would we be surprised if Zach Greinke has a 4-3 or 4-4 ERA over 160 innings? Would we be surprised if Jordan Lyles does the same thing? If Brady Singer takes the next step up and their bullpen is fine? Like, that is just, that doesn't seem like a 69-win team to me. That seems like a 72-win team to me. So I'm looking at the over. I, I'll tell you a, a lineup that, you know, won less than 70 games with with those kind of names, and it's the, the Rangers last year, right? You had Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, Nathaniel Lowe, and, and Adolis Garcia in that lineup, and they won 68 games. So the pitching was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I love all of the guys that Peter brought up and I agree with everything he's saying there. I think all of these guys are going to, are going to mash like Bobby Witt going to make the leap. You know how we feel about Vinny, like to all of the points that Peter made, is that going to be enough to get to 70? The Rangers say no, but there's been other teams that have said yes, based on that. So it, it to me, it's a coin flip and it's really going to come down to how much those guys mash or how bad the pitching is. I'm going to go under just because I am really worried about that outfield situation, especially with Drew Waters hurt to start the year. And if Zach Granke, like I, I agree, I'm not going to be surprised if he has a 4-2 and, and cruises through the year. But if Zach Granke, you know, is not able to throw every fifth day for them, then it's really interesting to see how they put it together. And I think Ryan Yarborough could be a disaster. I think they're going to trade from that bullpen. Um, once they have some guys that are performing, they're going to sell high on those guys. And I think really tank at the end of the year. So I, I'm going to go under, but I could definitely see a path to the over with the kind of, with the kind of talent they have in their lineup. That is my one concern. You brought it up selling at the deadline that could crush them. any piece they, they have they're trading and they should. And they should. And if that gets off to a bad start, but, a guy who I'm excited to see is Daniel Lynch this year. You know, the Royals brought in new staff, guys who've worked with the Rays, guys who've worked with the Guardians, in order to completely revamp uh, that pitching staff, which has been their Achilles heel for what seems like a half decade. So if they can implement some stuff, if Bubich looks better, like they could have some guys who can get you through games while allowing three runs in five innings per se. And then like, if this lineup scores four in those five innings like they could end up having some wins here uh but i agree that is my biggest concern is selling at the deadline but i'm just i'm really optimistic about the lineup i'm optimistic about them benefiting from the rule changes and i do think that they end up in the 70 low 70s range and i would go over uh daniel lynch will probably start the year on the il with shoulder discomfort that happened late this week so Uh, we'll see what happens there which is really unfortunate because this was sink or swim season for daniel lynch and i don't want to be hampered by injury like if if you have to prove like what you are i hope you can give all you got and it sounds like lynch unfortunately cannot give all he's got which sucks um so me and arm went under peter went over same win total for the tigers at 69 and a half what say you peter avril this is where i go under um I don't love the Tigers from top to bottom. They don't have the offensive upside that the Royals do. They don't really have better pitching, and they don't really have a better bullpen either. Um, They are kind of similar to the Royals, but I don't see as much upside. Of course, you have Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, but I don't think those two are at the level of some of the Royals that we named who have a larger history of just being better major league players. I think this is a 65-win team. I think they finish in last place in the American League Central. Not super confident because it's not a bet I'd go on because it's a slim margin. But again, 
this is a team that looks like it'll sell at the deadline. There are some players who I'm going to tune in to watch, but not as many as the Royals, so I'm going under. I'm I'm going over on the Tigers. I'm I'm in on the Tigers this year in terms of like them not sucking totally. Um, I, I tweeted about this, but Javi Baez legit can't be worse. I don't think it's humanly possible. <laughs> but I'm all the way in on the Riley Green breakout. Like I I really feel good about it. Um, I think Torkelson's gonna gonna bounce back. He has hit the ball so hard this spring. Jonathan Scope cannot be worse either. Like it's literally not possible. Um, <laughs> so those are two cannot be worse guys. Uh, I, and I really like Kerry Carpenter. I think that guy freaking rakes. Yeah. Um, when you go to the rotation, I think that's where they separate themselves from the Royals, which is it's it's really like pick your poison. I think Erod's going to be good this year. I really do, and he's looked great this spring. I'm interested to see how Matt Manning looks. He actually has looked a bit better on the back half of the spring. Spencer Turnbull is a slept on name because Turnbull actually looked good before he got hurt. Missed all of last year. Now comes back. Could be a decent option. I loved their rule five pickup and Mason Anglert. Um, I, I think they've got some options with Joey Wentz and some other dudes. I agree. The bullpen's not good at all. Maybe one of the worst to, to Peter's point that that will be kind of ugly. Um, and then we'll see what they get from Lorenzen and maybe Tarek Skubal if, if he can come back at some point this year. Uh, but I, I just like too many of the guys here. I think they're going to find a way to bounce back. And they got some guys in the minors who could see some some time in the big leagues. You know, if Alex Fajardo can come back, Reese Olsen, uh, there's some other arms that, that may get a chance to break in at some point. So I'm going to go over on the Tigers. I'm going to go just under. Um and I think it has to do with with the pitching staff as a whole. Like you combine the rotation and the bullpen. I am worried about Manning. Um, I don't know what we're going to get from Turnbull. Like the the I don't know cloudiness that surrounds Turnbull. I guess is what what turns me off of you thinking, hey, that guy could you know seriously bounce back. I mean, he what he threw a no hitter in twenty one, right? I think so. Yeah, so weird. So, yeah, so weird. Um, <laughs> Erod, I'm not you know totally sure. Like I'm not totally sold on on him being you know, much better. Uh, granted, he'll, he'll be better than non-existent, which is a huge plus for them this year. Literally um, non-existent. Actually, literally. like, hiding. Yeah, didn't Yeah, pass. like, not <laughs> texting anybody. Not, yeah, yeah. Um, I do like the bats that that Arm's talking about. Riley Green, I think, is the truth. Kerry Carpenter, I think, is a middle-of-the-order guy in Major League Baseball, and I think that he will get a chance to be a very good five-hitter. And then I got to buy into the Miggy Kool-Aid here. I think that Miggy has to hit 10 homers this year. Has to. Um, nice. Go you, should take, you should take his over five and a half on prize picks then. I'm it's in. Five and a half? Yes, Good I'm God. in. He I'm might not over. play much this year at all, man. Like, they're just taking an L on the roster spot. His knee is done. Uh, uh, he's going to play like two to three times a week, though, which I think will help him. I'm actually, I might take that over on prize picks. It's low for a reason. It is say. low. It's really low. Also, but, also, Austin Meadows only played 36 games last year and hit zero home runs. Yeah. Yeah, but he's a guy who almost never plays. And I just feel like the Tigers are a team that, to go over their win total, you need Spencer Torkelson to fully reach his potential next year. You need Riley Green to do the same. You need Kerry Carpenter to rake. You need Matt Manning to pitch at a solid level, and you need Eduardo Rodriguez to pitch at a solid level, and you need some guys in the bullpen outside of Alex Lang to really, you know, perform at a at a above average level. And that's a lot that has to happen. While with the Royals, there just seems more safety in the rotation, a little bit more safety in the bullpen, and there's more upside on offense. The Tigers won 66 last year, the Royals won 65. 
I am just more confident in the Royals than I am the Tigers. All right, last but not least, the AL West. Aram's computer just kind of threw up on himself, so he does not have video for the YouTube folk right now, but we can hear him perfectly. Let's start with the Astros, 95 and a half. This is the easiest over for me. I think if one team is going to go to 105 wins, if not more, it's the Houston Astros. I think they're the best team in baseball. I think we are due for one 100-win team. Houston's the one to do it. Yeah, I like the Astros too. I like them to go over. Um, I think if any team could lose Justin Verlander, it's the Houston Astros. When you have Framber Valdez and Christian Javier, and a pitcher that I'm really excited to see, we saw him really dominate in the World Baseball Classic, is Luis Garcia. Yes. And Luis Garcia is an interesting case because he normally has a super long windup, which you can't use with the new rules pertaining to the pitch clock. But if you look at his numbers, he's actually been better with runners on base in his career when he doesn't use the long windup. I think cutting that out, we saw that in the World Baseball Classic, saw him dominate. I think becomes a very good three starter. And then you have Hunter Brown, Jose Arquiti in the rotation, along with the best bullpen in all of Major League Baseball. And then when Lance McCullers Jr. comes back, we expect him to be great too. The lineup so- adding Jose Abreu, love this team. I think they go over 95 and a half wins, but again, I'm not in the business of betting on the best teams to go over uh, unless they're the Dodgers, but yeah. So I would go over with the Astros. How much concern do we place in, in no Altuve for what we presume to be multiple months? Yeah. A decent bit. I I think a decent bit. That's my one thing. We're going from, from Altuve to David Hensley, who, was awesome <laughs> like who who was awesome but he's definitely not Altuve but you also get a Brantley back pretty early you add Jose Abreu the rest of this team freaking rakes I'm gonna I'm gonna go over as well but like it's not one that I'm like I, I'm not as as sure of it as Jack like I'm not just like slapping my hand on it and saying no no problem over send it in like I'm I'm a little nervous with Altuve out now he's he's a big glue guy beyond just the the fact that he's a five to six war guy like every year. Uh, I think he's a glue guy too. So I'm interested to see how, how, you know, things go without him, but this team's still just too damn good. Yeah, I agree. Arm. I, I'm with you. I am a, a slight lean towards the over, not willing to slap it down. And also I don't think it's going to kill Jordan Alvarez, but the fact that he only has about six ABs in spring training so far because he hurt his handmate bone, which is common among big time sluggers. It's a bone in your hand that, directly impacts your power output um he's still gonna rake and he's still gonna have a good year um but then again that is something to monitor that maybe he doesn't start all the way hot uh but this team is too loaded in almost all facets of the game but i think they are around a 95 to 97 win team Mm -hmm. i'll go over but i'm not very confident in it yep right so a clean sweep i'm just the most confident seattle is at 87 and a half (laughs) arum how do you feel man yeah, we know how Peter feels, yeah. um, but I, I honestly echo Peter's sentiment. And I'll, I'll kind of leave the floor to him because this is this is something that I know he's been very adamant about. But uh, you know, I I do really like this team top to bottom. I like the moves that they've made. I think Depoto has been doing a great job. Um, they they really hedged any any concerns and weaknesses that I felt like they had, and and I think this is the kind of team that only gets better with with some of the youth that they have, especially on the mound, and some of the guys they have coming up. Big dark horse that I think could plug in, kind of like Matt Brash did last year, and do a little bit of of the relieving and starting is is Bryce Miller. 
uh, one of the best fastballs in professional baseball, not, not just the minor leagues, one of the best fastballs in professional baseball, uh, no matter how they use him, I think he's going to be a big weapon for them too. They're deep. Uh, they've made the moves that they needed to make and, and I'll let Peter kind of fill in the rest, but I'm going over. Uh, I think with ease, this is probably one of my most confident overs as well this year. I bet on the Seattle Mariners over wins. I bet them to win the American league pennant and I bet them to win the world series. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm jumping all aboard the Seattle Mariners bandwagon this year. So we saw the window open last year. It didn't completely fly open because unfortunately they lost to the Astros in what was it? The, it was the ALDS. The yes. It? it was the ALDS. I'm pretty yeah, sure. They, they beat, beat Toronto the Blue Jays. in a wild card. They yes. lost to Houston in the DS. And hmm. I'm a Yankee fan. And I got to say, if the Mariners had beaten the Astros in that series, I think the Mariners would have gone to the World Series. I think they were a better team than the Yankees were last year. And the Mariners took the Astros to the brink. George Kirby threw seven shutout. That was a series. Now, it didn't look all that close when you just look at the final tally of wins versus losses, but every game was ultra competitive. While in the Astros-Yankee series, the Astros completely took care of business. The Seattle Mariners are also Jerry Depoto has proven that he's going to make the big move at the deadline, getting Luis Castillo. Now the Mariners have one of the best rotations in Major League Baseball with Luis Castillo at the top, who's as good as any in the American League. You follow him with Logan Gilbert, who's developing a splitter and looks to even improve on last year's performance. George Kirby is expected to take another leap and become one of the better right-handed pitchers in the American League. That's already a great three. And then you have Robbie Ray, who is not great, but as a four that's about as good as it's going to get. The He's been gross this spring ago. too. He's been gross this spring. Look at Robbie Ray's numbers. He might have been. He might be the best pitcher this spring. Period. And then you have Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, and Bryce Miller as potentially five, six, seven. You have one of the best bullpens in baseball. You look at the offense. What did they need? They needed a big power hitter. So who'd they get? Teoscar Hernandez. They needed a second baseman. Who'd they get? Colton Wong. Jared Kelnick is having a great spring. Eugenio Suarez and Ty France on the corners are great options there. Their worst player is J.P. Crawford, and he's an average shortstop. From top to bottom, I think this might be the second best. Actually, I'm not I'm saying might when I believe it, that they are the second best team in the American League, even though they're being priced as the fifth or sixth best team in the American League. I think this is the year they make the big move at the deadline to shore up any problems that they might have. Let's say Kelnick doesn't work out. They hedged it with AJ Pollock. This team is as well-rounded. They're going to benefit from the shift rules because they do have a great defense. This is my pick to end up winning the World Series. I think they're going to face off against the Braves, not to ruin the National League part of it, but I'm all in on the Mariners this year. I think this is the year where, you know, they win their first World Series in a very long time. Yeah, um, I say over as well, clean sweep of the over. And the only reason I say over is because I think they're flawless. I, I think that they had some flaws. They ID'd the flaws and they corrected them to the point where they are not flaws anymore. And they are a flawless baseball team. And, and they have it would- Julio Rodriguez. It would be the first World Series ever for the Seattle Mariners. Correct. And another thing, too, you know, with young teams like this, you like to see them almost fail before they overcome, right? They had that taste of what it felt like to be in that type of atmosphere against the World Series champions. And I thought they might have given them the most trouble of any team that faced them in the playoffs, including the Phillies. They did. 
I think this is the team that gets over the hump, ends up taking down the Astros, because I think the Astros are really the true team that's in their path. You could say the Rays, Blue Jays, Guardians, but I think the Mariners are above those teams. And after feeling that loss, I think they come back with vengeance and end up winning the whole thing. I love the Mariners this year. All right. Uh, three more angels, Rangers, A's angels are at 82 and a half. Ooh. Um, I, I'm, I'm with Peter. If not now, when <laughs> I go, I go over. Yeah. I go over with the angels. Um, and I do this every year, but there does feel, it does feel different. Um, Anthony Rendon has a 1300 OPS in spring training so far. If he can stay healthy, He's a superstar, and he's played like it with the Nationals. And if you slot him along with Trout and Otani, that's an incredible trio. But, you know, you have guys who you expect to bounce back, right? Jared Walsh can't be much worse. I love Logan Ohapi at catcher. Um, their outfield is pretty solid. We saw what Taylor Ward could do last year. And they then you Renfro. look at the rotation, the ro- and you add Hunter Renfro and Brandon Drury, who – on you know the new podcast that I host with Tucker Davidson, I was speaking with him and Patrick Sandoval, and I asked who's a player that the Angels should watch out for, Angels fans at least. And they both lit up and said Brandon Drury immediately. They said he's raking right now. And if he is 90% of what he was with Cincinnati, that's an incredible utility player. You look at the rotations much better than in previous years, especially adding Tyler Anderson when you have Patrick Sandoval and Shohei Otani, and we could just continue to go down the list because Reed Detmers is also a really good young pitcher. The bullpen looks better than it has in previous years, and Shohei has made it clear that he's slightly concerned with the Angels' ability to build a winning roster, and he's a free agent after the year. So this is, there's no shot that if they're doing badly, that they sell. And if they do, then they're selling both Shohei and Trout. I just don't see that happening. I think they go over 82 and a half wins. And I think they make a run at the playoffs. Do they make it? I wouldn't predict that, but I think it's going to be close. This is the deepest Angels team of the Otani Trout era, both pitching and position player wise, right? P- Peter hit on the pitching and and I loved the Tyler Anderson edition. I think Detmers makes a leap this year. Patrick Sandoval was dynamite in the WBC and I, he's one of the more underrated arms in the game and they've got some other depth guys including the the co-host of of the arm barn and Tucker Davidson who they would have killed for depth wise you know in, in other spots over the last couple of years lineup wise like you talked about Drury but just how about the other guys that they can plug and play their bench options of Renhifo and Urshela would both be better than most of the guys that they started last year for a large amount of playing time well, that makes me feel Renhifo. a lot better Renhifo mm-hmm. hit leadoff for them and is yeah, now correct. a bench bat. Correct. And then I think we, I think of the guys that were drafted last year, I think Zach Neto will be the first to debut. And I think he's going to debut at some point this year if he rakes. He could plug right in for David Fletcher if he stinks. What about Joyce? Oh, true. Joyce could too. They could have the two first guys who debut. And Ben Joyce will debut this year, throws 104, and will you know kind of bolster that bullpen if he can just find any semblance of command. They've got reinforcements coming too. This this team is the best Angels team we have seen with Trout and Otani, so I go over as well. Let's roll. All right. Uh, clean sweep of the overs. Uh, we have yet to say an under for the AL West. My first under comes now with Texas. I go yep. under 81 and a half. Um, Arm, you mentioned they were, what, a 69-win team last year? 68-win 68 68 
Okay, so 68 with Seager and Semyon. Obviously, Seager had some tough luck, and Semyon had that you know brutal stretch to open the year. Um, I, I think they can get better. Obviously, they add DeGrom, they add Evaldi. Like, they get a better rotation now. My concern is you add guys that have had injury issues for their entire career, and that's like every single starter in the rotation. So I, I worry that, I don't know, I, I guess this is an injury bet, but I go under 81 and a half because I don't think that rotation stays healthy. There's one in each division, a path to a playoff berth and a path to destruction. Yeah. The White Sox in the Central, the Red Sox in the East, and the Rangers in the West. And the Rangers, projected by Fangraphs, have one of the best rotations in Major League Baseball. But you look at each individual pitcher, and there's a question mark with all of them. All of them. Jacob deGrom, health. Martin Perez, replicating his performance from last year. Nate Evaldi, injuries, and will he? does he even look like the same pitcher after a velo drop from last year? Andrew Heaney, looked great with the Dodgers. But sometimes the Dodgers do that to you. Will he stay healthy and will he perform? The bullpen, they lost Matt Moore, who was huge for them last year. They didn't really add much. The outfield looks really weak. The infield is fantastic. And I'm expecting Josh Young to have a good season at third base. I love Seager. I love Semyon. And I love Nate Lowe. Or Nathaniel, excuse me. Nathaniel. And of course, you got Jonah Heim at catcher. They have... There is a path here. Let's say these guys stay healthy. Let's say Martin Perez replicates what he did. They could be a very good team. For sure. But similar to the White Sox, you need a lot of things to go right for them to go over 81 and a half. Again, not betting the under. Not going to. Because there's way too much variance with this team. They could win 86 games. They could win 69 games. We don't know. I think it's more likely that they go towards the under. That's why that's my prediction. But I'm not confident in it because they they control their own destiny. They could go crazy or they could fall way short of expectations. You go on. Yeah, the out the outfield's rough. Um, yeah, I I do like the Robbie Grossman addition. You know, I, okay. I think that's a nice a nice little underrated piece there. Delise Garcia is solid, but I, I think the big X factor here, <laughs> besides Josh Young, that's not in the active lineup. It's probably Ezekiel Duran, because I do believe Duran can be an above-average big leaguer. And if the 23-year-old who was acquired in the Joey Gallo deal is an above-average big league outfielder, then the outlook on this team is much different, right? This is a guy that's playing consistent center field instead of Bubba Thompson. Uh, That makes a big difference. I also really like the Mitch Garver addition. You have a really good defensive catcher in Jonah Heim. You spell that with a really good offensive catcher in Mitch Garver. Those two could combine to be a pretty valuable, you know, behind-the-dish combination. Um, I, I am interested to see what the timeline is on some of their pitching prospects. I think Owen White could help them. I think they do have trade capital. They were in on Brian Reynolds. I think that Chris Young is going to continue to be aggressive and might make a move if they sniff the wild card, you know, around the deadline time. I, you know, conventionally, I really do think that, that the under is the better bet, but I'm going to go with the over just off of a gut feeling here. And because I trust Chris Young, uh, but I definitely understand the under on this one. As similar to the White Sox arm and to the Red Sox, honestly, I don't think taking either over or under is a bad take. It's just like, how optimistic are you? Right. Yeah. So I think I think on the White Sox, Jack, to your point where you had the over, I see what you're saying. Yeah. We all had the under on the Red Sox, but I could easily pitch an over and it would make total sense, right? So with these 
three teams, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think it's just we'll wait and see. I think the percentages would tell you to lean the under. But if you're optimistic and yeah. you think that these guys stay healthy, they should go way over. So they're tough teams to gauge. They could be great or they could be terrible. Um, but I don't think that any of these three are going to hit their bottom, but I don't think they're going to hit their top either. Yeah. All right. Oakland, 59 and a half. This team's a joke, but 59 and a half is an insane number. So I have to go over. I lean with you, Jack. I would lean the over. Um, they did sign a decent amount of veterans, and their rotation is not awful. It's fine. Like they have, it's, yeah, I mean, the definition of fine is an interesting word. It's loose. It's loose. It's a very loose definition. They are below average, I think is fair, but they're not terrible and they're not one of the worst. Their lineup is one of the worst. Their bullpen is not very good either, especially after losing AJ Puck. Like we talk about the Marlins. That was a great addition. Like they lost AJ Puck. (laughs) Um, I think there's enough arms to keep them in games and they're just the Oakland A's. They weirdly win games that they're not supposed to. When they, re- they weirdly win games with Olsen, Chapman, Sean Murphy. Another good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think this team goes 61 and 101. So I would lean a slight over, but yeah. 59 and a half is crazy. I that's mean, that's a crazy just number. Disgust. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. That the lack of effort into roster construction for them. Yeah. But, you know, they have some veterans. And will they play well? I don't know. But they have them, Arm. They have them which is they do exist. Yes, they do (laughs) exist. Here's my thing. I like Kyle Moore. He's looked terrible this spring. (laughs) He's the opening day starter. Yeah. Fujinami is interesting. He can't throw a strike. Caprellian, like he's had nice stretches. He could easily have a five next year. Walter Chuck, I I like, but you know, that's, that's one guy. And then, and he's been inconsistent. Then JP Sears, Uh, Trevor may will be gone if he shows anything. Um, and I think he will, and he'll, he'll he'll be gone. They added juries familia, which is nuts. Um, (laughs) they paid 11 Diaz $7 million. Seth Brown should have been, he should have been gone six months ago. Shea Langlier's rakes. I think Astoria Ruiz is, is pretty solid. (laughs) I'm going to go nuts here. I'm going to say under, I think this is one of the worst teams in major league baseball history. Um, when they trade, when they trade Tony Kemp and when they trade Oletimus Diaz and maybe Seth Brown, which they should, over the last two months of the season, I think it will be one of the worst teams we have ever seen. And Christian Pache is going to be getting everyday reps and left, hitting 180. And <laughs> I, I think this team is going to be historically bad. I, I want to take over 59 because it's fucking 59. But you right. know what? Like, screw you, John Fisher. I'm taking the under. See, I, I appreciate where Arm's coming from here because I know he holds his cynicism for the right moment. And I typically don't like shit on an organization. But like if I'm going to shit on one Oregon Major League Baseball right now, it's the Oakland A's. What they're doing to that roster is criminal. Yeah, I'm sold. Mark me down for the under. Um, <laughs> yeah, Arm put it in pretty good terms. This team could suck out loud. And the fact that they're moving, I think they're only more motivated to suck even more. Like just to, so the team like almost throws them out so they can leave yeah fuck it give me the under they suck I, yeah I, I can't believe i'm sticking to my guns and going over here <laughs> i do like it like from a betting angle i've heard and talked to smart people who like the over and i just it's such a low number and it's, yeah, it's such a low number and it's like it's the a's like the a's just sometimes beat otani and the angels sometimes like for no reason 
Seth Brown it, just hits a homer and they win four three and it doesn't make any sense, but they, they win. Like they may have the worst home record in MLB history this year. Like nobody's gonna show up. Yeah, dude, I feel so watching, bad, man. Watching those so games, bad. watching those games is so depressing. You know when they do the pan to like the side of the stadium, like down the line, and normally there's seats filled at every game. There's like like Saturday night baseball games when it's the angels versus the A's and it's in Oakland and there's nobody in the ballpark. And I'm that's, like, if you're not going to go to that game, what games are you going to go to? That's what Fisher fucking wants. Like that. He wants to tank the franchise out there, man. Like he really does. And uh, Fisher's a joke. I, I, I can't, I, it's unbelievable that he's able to do what he is doing. I, I almost wish they would vote him out, but yeah, I'm going to take 55 wins. Like it, it, you, you have like, I'm just imagining them outscoring another team for nine innings and then shutting the door 60 times. Sam Mole? I, I don't I don't think so. Sam Seth Moles. Brown is good. Yeah, Seth Brown is good. Against righties. Uh, against righties. <laughs> all right. Against lefties, he looks like me. There we go. Um, all right. <laughs> Anthony Volpe made the Yankees opening day roster. Jordan Walker made the Cardinals opening day roster. Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos were optioned to Syracuse. They will join Francisco Alvarez and Ronnie Mauricio there. If you want to break down of who broke camp, oh, by the way, Oscar Colas made the roster as well. Um, if you want to break down of who broke camp and who will be going to the minor leagues, go listen to the call up today. Like that's just the episode of all episodes there. Like, so you guys know who the rookies on opening day rosters are going to be. So that's my call up plug. Obviously go listen to all the other pods on our network. The arm barn with Tucker Davidson show and go with Taylor Davis. Just fantasy baseball is kicking tail right now. Uh, and a whole bunch of others, Peter. Yeah, if you're interested, you got the betting Twitch, you're seeing all these numbers and you're like, I want to make a play, but I, um, on my podcast, Not Gambling Advice, um, American League Betting Preview, National League Betting Preview is out now while you're listening to this. And the next couple of days, I'll have my season-long player props on prize picks as well as individual awards to bet on BetMGM. Um, it's more from a betting lens rather than you know, straight up baseball analysis. That's what we do here on the Just Baseball Show. Get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking the hat. Arm, you can't see Arm in the video, but I'm sure he's rocking something. Jack's maybe got some Just Baseball socks on. You never know. Underwear. Um, underwear. Perfect. That is in the episode description. And with that, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, everybody.